And now a reading of Lena Dunham's essay, Lena Dunham Finds Her Happy Place, from this month's issue of Domino. My mother is obsessed with real estate. Not a casual perusing homes for sale in the Sunday paper kind of obsessed. It's more than even a let's sneak into this open house and pretend we're interested in buying this Spanish tutor kind of obsession. This obsession borders on romantic. She's never been content in a home for more than a few months before she starts fantasizing about the next one, searching and craving and driving everyone around her mad with her desire to level up. I've often tried to understand what she's after. It's not the classic American desire for more, more space, more windows, more clout. It's not about how she looks to other people or what her neighbor says about her place in the pecking order. That's far too basic a reading of the situation, considering she's downsized, upsized, and resized in no particular order. She's dragged our family with her, and the most major fights of my parents' 44-year relationship have been on this topic. It's a miracle that they survived the Williamsburg rental with the black lacquered kitchen and faux Warhol wallpaper. Her hunger takes no prisoners, unless you count the guests who had to sleep in the room off the kitchen of our unwinterized farmhouse. I sometimes have trouble differentiating between the exteriors of the homes we've lived in and homes we've driven by when she took the long way, just to get a peek. My mother would be mad if this made us sound like we had a lot of money to hurl around. As artists, sometimes we did and sometimes we didn't, like the year that Christmas was a tiny newspaper tree in Indian takeout from 6th Street, or made her sound like a covetous jerk. Because she isn't just fantasizing, she has a gift— When she dreams of a home, it materializes, most recently in the form of an abandoned boarding school in Connecticut with an oversized barn and a history of fires that led to the installation of concrete floors and red brick walls. She wanted a place to work, to dream, to host bands of merry travelers, and watch a collie sprint. She got it all, including a very moody and loquacious pup named Penny. She would probably argue that the mistakes prefab ranch house 10 miles from the beach and zero miles from a frat house, the billionaire's third guest house right behind the Appalachian Trail where feral backpackers would wander through our yard, all led to this. Her perfect home has just enough colonial columns and just enough Jewish central heat and air to keep her happy. She hunts on eBay for Danish wood candlestick holders and milky Murano glass, and the walls have art by everyone from Richard Prince to Matisse, to me in third grade. My mother's artwork is also focused on the home. Growing up in Long Island as a second-generation American Jew, she had a book called My Dream Home, a scrapbook with black-and-white drawings of mid-century rooms that encouraged the reader to find swatches of fabric underneath clear panels so that they sprung to life with color and texture. It informed her series of instant decorator photos and also informed all of my work as well as my own home obsession. I thought I'd escape it. I thought I was content when I moved out at 26, too old, I know, and bought my first apartment, a pre-war deal so good that other New Yorkers became angry when I told them, I got it off a dead guy who nobody liked, that's the secret. But life happened and I fell in love and whispered those terrifyingly vulnerable three words, let's buy something. And soon I was pounding the pavement looking for a place where we could build a future, consider children, and install that much fetishized sotsass shelf. I wanted to live in another creaky, decrepit, glam enclave, and I told the real estate agent that my passion was moldings. All of them. Any of them. My man was afraid of dust, so he bid on an apartment that hadn't even been built yet, and I spent the year making obsessive scrapbooks just like my mother before me. I planned for wallpaper, 
My friend Peyton Turner's flat vernacular does the best, and I've had the same pattern in three bedrooms in three apartments, and bought Joseph Frank pillows and Nancy's Blushes Pharaoh in ball paint for the bedroom. I had art by Rob Pruitt and Ellen Birkenbilt ready to go. Queer and female painters are my thing. I even had all my mother's Melmac dishes and queasy pastels. He was on tour, so she and I set the kitchen up, stuffed the closets, and placed the tchotchkes on the mantle for the great unveiling. And he hated it. He didn't want to hate it. He tried not to hate it. But he didn't like living among the insides of my mind. I thought I was giving him a gift, like the time I came home from summer camp and my mother had painted my walls four different chalky colors and installed a friend's poster, a candle shaped like a slice of honeydew melon, and an inflatable chair. All this for under $100 at Woolworths. R.I.P. Woolworths. I wanted to give him the magic that she'd always given me by dreaming her maddening dreams, but he wanted a restoration hardware coach and a giant watch to hang on the wall. I felt sick every time I made a design concession or covered up pink with dove gray. Love can only survive so much. At night, I mapped out my dream space in my head. A massive bed with an ornate headboard. A pile of vintage Harlequin novels that Jemima finds at flea markets. It doesn't matter where the dog pees. The rooms don't have to be big. I mostly curl into a ball. The last time I saw that apartment was when we agreed, with love, that someone had to go. You can finally eat in the bed without anyone getting mad at you, he said through tears. They say if you love something, let it return to its pre-war with floral walls. But I didn't return. Instead, I made a massive real estate mistake, the kind that nightmares are made of. I bought something in a state of panic, feeling like if I didn't put down roots soon, I'd float away. I never even moved in, and magazines wrote about it when I sold it at a loss. I was real estate shamed. You really are my daughter, my mother said. I stayed on an inflatable mattress on Matt and Carl's living room floor in a co-op built for garment workers on the Lower East Side that now houses video artists and academics. I got to know Sheila, the woman at the gate who receives packages. I slept in my father's office between two filing cabinets and used a box of printer paper as my nightstand, letting Friday night on 6th Avenue lull me to sleep. I spent a few ill-fated weeks in a hotel with the elderly three-legged Yorkie I was fostering and gained 12 pounds in room service while the dog snored in a pile of dirty laundry. Finally, when my father called me a grifter, enough was enough. I picked this place from a thumbnail picture, a rental on the second floor facing the street, directly across from where a group of liberal arts students smoke and shout. It was close enough to the art supply store, Lifetime Salad Bar, and my therapist. New Yorkers all have their own priorities, like my friend who just wanted to live in a place where he could go out in a bathrobe and not be judged. The apartment seemed appropriate for a long interstitial, an extended pause. I didn't know about the beauty of the building, its eccentric internal culture, the storied residence. I have friends on floors 4, 5, 8, and 17. The maintenance guys are either twins or just brothers. I'm too busy trying to tell them apart to ask. So many funny dogs. When I come home in a gown and Ugg boots and collect my mail, the old man on a stool in the lobby just nods. I don't think I can ever leave. I hired interior designer Ariel Oaken to do what my mother had done for me and what I tried to do for him. Arrange the things I've accumulated in an inventive and loving way. Ariel did all that and more. The towels have my initials and the pillows bear embroidery of my cats. The books are color-coded. 
Mylisa Yuskovich and Penelope Gazin pieces are framed beside a photo of the best dog I ever knew. R.I.P. Lambie. The space isn't big, but it's perfect for pacing. And every day, I do laps through all the doors like I'm in a slapstick comedy from the 1930s, amusing myself. When the people on 8 tried to floor shame me, I told them what I love about 2. If you're an introvert and often homebound by illness or sadness or both, it feels like the passerby on the street are right there with you. They are my built-in friends. Across from me is a luxurious brownstone, but I'm not sure how it's decorated. I've stopped looking in other people's windows. I'm my mother's daughter, but I'm finally home. All right, let's start the episode. Brunch! Hit it, boys! Where y'all chicken is what everyone's asking these days. They're saying, where are you getting that chicken sandwich? People are freaking out. I believe this came because Popeye's uh, is now making a chicken sandwich, which uh, yields the question, not necessarily where y'all chicken, but Popeye's didn't already make a sandwich. Yeah, that's crazy. How did Popeye... A, A, it's a fast food place. All those places have sandwiches. I know that chicken is made... uh, Popeye's is known for its chicken. But like Chick Fil A is known for its chicken, they're pounding out, they're grinding out right. sandwiches like it's nobody's business. Like it is not a uh, a huge step up to be like, yo, we make great chicken. Maybe we should throw it in some buns. And I would try one of these chicken sandwiches, but now it's like it's almost like a social media challenge right. to go out and try yeah. to get this sandwich because people are spending their entire days they're tr- they're treating it like it's a like it's a, an opportunity to be on the prices right they're they're camping out for hours and hours and yeah. hours to it like try went, to get it one went, of these sandwiches it went too mainstream too quickly now it's basically like you're basic if you go out and get one. Oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't be caught dead in one of those lines right now. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I would. If, if Popeyes, Popeyes was accessible, yeah. I would definitely check it out. It's really not that accessible around here. Popeyes is fantastic. It's, uh, there, there's, only, there's only one that I can think of that everyone knows around here, and it's the one across the street from Fenway Park, the infamous mm-hmm. one that yep. uh, cost the Red Sox in, what, 2011? Yes. Yeah, to yeah, make yeah, the, the playoffs? one, yeah. Because they were, uh, the, the, the players were ducking loved out. It too much. Ducking out to eat fried chicken from Popeye's and drink some, some light beer. So good for those guys. Uh, good for Popeye's because they're making a killing, but it has yielded this big chicken debate. Uh, people asking, what's the best chicken sandwich? And I don't, I don't even know what the other candidates really are there's only three in my mind and i'm allowing popeyes to be one of these because everyone's going so crazy for it and i haven't i haven't had it yet but apparently it's so good and so buzzworthy that that maybe it's up there to me there's only one correct answer it's it's uh wendy's spicy chicken sandwich no uh chick-fil-a no what the best chicken sandwich is the next chicken sandwich. Oh, that's a good one, Tom Brady. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good Tom. Tom most Brady chicken sandwiches are pretty good. That was one of that was one of my thoughts as everyone was freaking out about this. They're like, when people are like, "No, this is the best." Oh no, this is trash compared to that. Blah. If a chicken sandwich is presented to you, you are going to have it, and you are so excited yeah. because generally a fried chicken sandwich is going to be unbelievable. It's hard to fuck up. The only time chicken sandwiches aren't very good are when you're at a restaurant and you're like, you know what? I've been having a lot of burgers lately. I'll get the grilled chicken sandwich. 
A grilled chicken sandwich is never satisfying because nope. no matter what they put on it, I'm not a mayonnaise guy. No matter what they put on it, say they put some barbecue sauce on it, whatever. It's ne- there's never enough stuff going on on it, and it just always feels dry. I don't. Hey, know. It's never as good as a burger. Like it, you're oh, getting, God, no. you're getting like the the experience of eating a burger without the satisfaction of eating a burger. In fact, if I if I get a chicken sandwich now, I think I would rather just take the grilled chicken off and just eat a piece of grilled chicken and be like, yeah. Hey, I'm being boring and healthy versus right. I'm going to eat this woefully unsatisfying thing that still isn't good for me. Right. With like the unnecessary carbs and things like that. Like you, you, you're not getting that much of an added experience by making it into a sandwich. But with a, I mean, with a chick, with a crispy chicken sandwich, it's usually, it's very difficult to mess up and you're usually going to like it. And it feels hard for me to participate in this thing. One, because I, I haven't tried the Popeye's thing, but yep. I'm sure it's really, really good. I'm sure you know I would tell? love it. Huh? You know how you can tell? Two like, things. Everyone's talking about it. It's a chicken sandwich <laughs> yeah. and it's from Popeye's. You're right. It, uh, this would be news. If this is bad, the news would be Popeye's now makes something bad. Right. This Popeye's is so delicious. Yeah. And, and I mean, f- the fact that people are going so crazy for this, like with already knowing that Popeye's makes really fucking good chicken means that this has to be really, really good. Yeah, I was talking about that with a coworker the other day. I was like, hey, so uh, where are you following this whole chicken sandwich debate? And he was like, if I'm going to a place that makes fried chicken and makes a sandwich, I'm just eating fried chicken. I'm just saying, like, give me a bucket of whatever you have or depending on where it is, give me, like, a three-piece because... Man, fried chicken is just about... I had some sort of... Uh, I, I forget the details of it completely. Oh, I know what it was. I was talking to a friend about uh, McDougal's in Nashville, which I don't know if you've ever been. It's a chicken finger place near Vanderbilt, and I love it. I'm crazy about well, it. Would have been fucking awesome to get this suggestion like three weeks ago you when I was You definitely got Nashville. this suggestion when I sent you... Uh, a Nashville like Two ideas years thing years ago. It's great. It's uh, but they they give you this huge tray and it's just loaded with chicken fingers and they're huge chicken fingers and uh, fries and they also give you uh, some Texas toast because they're like man, all the f- chicken fingers and fries is enough. Let's give this guy some some Texas toast and you get some sweet tea and it's the best. And we were discussing how. I'd brought that up to somebody who knew Nashville pretty well. And I was like, oh, do you ever go to McDougal's? And he was like, yeah, it wasn't super popular among students. Um, Jay Cutler like lived there. Not a surprise at all. Right, no. Not a surprise <laughs> at all. But he was like, I don't know. I guess I like, like how often do people want to go to like a chicken finger place? And I think there's a stigma about chicken fingers it's like that for it's children. for kids. Yeah. There is go to any restaurant. On the menu, there's going to be chicken fingers on the kids' menu. You're rarely going to see an adult entree that is some chicken fingers and fries. And honestly, and I'm if, glad if, because if that were the case, I'd be like Jared Carabas ordering <laughs> that every single time. And when it is on the menu, it's like it has adult language. Like they, it's like uh, crispy chicken strips. Our breaded, like, our yes. breaded uh, chicken strips, and it's like, yo, we're old enough <laughs> to know we're in the adult menu. We know what chicken fingers are. Right. I I love chicken fingers though. You uh you got me into the chicken fingers at the movie theater. Oh man, the thing. AMC chicken fingers are real fucking what good. What I love about the AMC chicken fingers is it seems like every time you go, 
there's some confusion as to how they serve chicken fingers. You go and you're like, hey, can I do chicken fingers and fries? And they, they're like, all right, so you want to order like a full order of chicken fingers and a full order of fries. Whenever they present any sort of thing of like, wait, you might accidentally be ordering a thing where you get a shitload of stuff. You always say, yeah, that's yeah, what right, I want. That's what I, I wanted. Yeah, I don't want to. Dude, there's no, nothing scarier than being on your second to last chicken finger, knowing mm-hmm. that like I could still keep going and this is gonna suck. But they'll be like, so like the chicken fingers meal, or do you want like the combo? And like there's like a meal, there's a combo. You can order them each separately. And I every time I just want to say, what's the way that I get, <laughs> get the, most. the most stuff? And where if I ask. For an extra thing of barbecue sauce, you're like, he's earned it. He's yeah. order. He's giving us four hundred dollars right now for chicken fingers. <laughs> Let's toss him an extra few uh, barbecue sauce things. Uh, My favorite thing about the AMC chicken tenders is that they they're usually they usually taste and feel like they've been left in that little microwave thing for Whoa. like. 11 seconds too long yeah. and they're real like real crunchy and real crispy yeah it's so fucking you good. get because you you do you get the pieces that are the small like pieces burnt. that are just batter <laughs> like if there was a chicken in there at any time that thing it is long gone <laughs> yeah. that thing is long gone that thing has been uh absorbed by all the batter and the batter is like yo you're in my house now yeah uh where do you fall though when it comes to the the sandwiches of chicken yeah, I mean, like I was saying, it's hard for me to weigh in on this debate because I'm I'm not going to throw any chicken sandwich under the bus. And like, they all fall in the, like, A range right. as far as it's, how you're, happy you are to right. eat it. You're, you're talking about, like, a difference maybe between, like, an A plus and, like, an A and an A minus. Right. So... I just I don't I don't feel it necessary. I am very intrigued to to try the Popeyes thing, but I don't feel it necessary to get involved in like which one is better. Let me power rank them. If the Popeyes one is great, I'm just going to be happy that I have another great chicken sandwich at my disposal. Right now, there's another option. I mean, I think that Chick Fil A is an A plus sandwich. I think that Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich is an A plus sandwich. Uh, Burger King's like long the the one they've been serving forever. I haven't had it in forever, so maybe it's they're, bad. Uh, what's but it, they're, they're, oh, it's like a canoe. They're right. They're, yeah, canoe. whatever that one is. And it's basically just one of those circular chicken breaded chicken patties that you can buy at the grocery store in the uh, in like the chicken nuggets section. Mm-hmm. They just put it in a different shape, put it on a different bun, toss some sesame seeds on there, really dress it up as a different thing. And that works because mm-hmm. it's still delicious. I would say that that's like an A minus A. I've always been surprised that McDonald's has not really gone out of its way to try to have that awesome chicken sandwich. Yeah, they don't really push like the McChicken too much. Yeah, like what even I couldn't tell Does you. Did I get that? I've <laughs> ordered every now and then, like over the years, and we're, we're not a- big fast food guys, but like I can't tell you. I, I've I've ordered chicken sandwiches from there, and I've never been like. Ooh, that's a thing that I'm going to come back tomorrow and get. And you get that sensation with a lot of chicken sandwiches. And they, I mean, maybe it's just a case of McDonald's like putting their their eggs in a basket where like there's more, where there's less competition. Like they, they push the fillet of fish way harder than they push the McChicken. Yeah. So I like, still, I, have you ever had a fillet of fish? No. Yeah. Well, why, 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 am I, why am I having fish from McDonald's? <laughs> no thanks. The only the only time I really like having fish in a restaurant is I haven't done it in a while, but every now and then you get fish and chips. Oh, yeah. That is, I was what? telling my parents, that's adult chicken fingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel bad about it. 
Like it, no. it's so so good. Everyone, you're like, oh no, what would you have? Oh, just the fish. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I had the fish. It was, it was uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, you know what is good though? Now that I now that I think of it, those circular like chicken nugget patties, essentially the ones that you buy in that like thin tray. Yeah. I haven't bought it in. I, I in my early twenties, I would get them every now and then because I was like, I'm poor. This is like this kind of stuff I have to eat while I'm poor. And hey, it's good. Yum. And then I stopped getting it, even though I didn't stop getting poor. Right. I think I just thought like I'm too old for it. No. I might toss I might get those, <laughs> toss those in the, the old fridge. Every night. Imagine coming home. I, I used to in college I would do it. I would come home, toss two toss one of those things, uh, like a slice of American cheese, a little barbecue sauce or whatever, make a sandwich out of that. That is a good, cheap, poor person sandwich. Oh yeah, you know what? You know what else is a poor person sandwich that I had today uh, for the first time? Oh, I'd love to hear about this. Yes, the uh, the peanut butter and pickles. Where'd that come from? Uh, Phil Hughes, a former Yankees pitcher, yep. on Twitter. Uh, he's like a big time foodie and like is like sort of like a high class foodie. He's like I only sounds like it. I only buy like the best ingredients. He's like basically a wannabe chef, mm-hmm. and he swears by peanut butter and pickles. So I was like, I just have to try this for like just pure pure like gross interest gotta tell you not that bad really not that bad it's 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 it's, the peanut butter basically dominates the the taste yeah but you get the crunch of the pickles and just like a little like a little hint of pickle in there and it's good it works together well what are the what are the 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 types of tastes there's uh sweet salty sour bitter and umami Sure. What does uh, what what would peanut Pickles butter be? Sweet. Peanut is pe- would peanut butter qualify as a sweet? I don't know. Would that be peanut salt? butter? Might be salty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, salty. So salt and sweet. That makes sense. Is yeah, pickles are sweet. Yeah, yeah. sweet and salty. Yeah, yeah. That's you know. Yeah, yeah. I I I toss one of those sandwiches in my face right, right. now. Yes, yeah. it's it's like it's it didn't blow me away, but I I think that if somebody made it, like if Phil made me. A, a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. I'm sure his are like way better than mine right, are because he's, he's good at cooking. Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Like I'd be like, wow, this is really good. I ate mine today and I was like, this is pretty good. Like it's fine. I've actually been thinking about how am I going to uh, pair the different tastes coming up because on Sunday, Sunday is my favorite day of the year. It is my fantasy football leagues auction night, and like our friend Brian was like, hey, I'm running. A 5K early Sunday. I uh, would love if you come by. It's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of cool people there. And I was like, sorry, can't do it. My fantasy football's auction is at like 9 p.m. that night. Can't go. Because that's just a, it's an entire day of getting ready. We uh, It's a bunch of guys. We're only in one league. And we, we're in different areas around the country. But... A lot of us are in Boston, so we'll all go to one of our apartments and we'll do the auction. We'll drink a lot. We'll rag on each other. We'll eat a ton. It's just like a classic. Like I've been, I've been, I've been doing Weight Watchers out the Waz this week, just thinking about. I've got. I feel like uh, what Jordan Belfort when before he takes like the super ludes, you know, yeah, yeah. when he's like doing like enemas and everything, just like cleaning out his system, being like, man. Here comes the boom on Saturday. And I've always brought I've always there's always been a, a lot of pizza and a lot of beer. Those have been like the two main ingredients. 
but I always bring Chex Mix because I I'm just like a I'm a Chex Mix like junkie. I just inhale that stuff. Yep. Uh, but I'm like, what what can I bring that's that's different from that stuff? Like, if I were to bring some pie, like, can you have pie with beer? Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. Like, can you have? I feel like chocolate stuff even with beer becomes like a no no for people. I mean, what do you do on holidays? I I drink all That's day true. drinking beer, and then like when pie comes out, I'm like, oh, sorry, I've had a few beers, I can't do pie. Kidding me? You're- no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, it's just that I've been drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. But it's like it's not like. Uh, you're having like a stout and then you have some pie, which that sounds like they would work together. Yeah. But like we're talking Bud Light. We're talking Coors Light. Think about it though. Like Bud Light doesn't really prevent you from doing anything. From doing anything other than continuing to drink Bud Light. What's like a, what's something that you would combine Bud Light with that you would be like, ugh, gross, can't do that? That's a very good exercise. What doesn't go with Bud Light? Oh, I'll tell you what doesn't go with Bud Light. Uh, cereal, like with milk. I was oh, up. Uh, yeah. I was up late. Although I don't do, I don't do my cereal with milk. So like uh, I could possibly wash down some cereal, some dry cereal with a Bud Light. Oh, definitely. Well, that's just yeah. candy with Bud Light, right? So then I guess that goes to my point. That, like you could have chocolate and stuff with Bud Light. Uh, you know, I don't do cereal at all. I thought that you were a big cereal guy. I can't do it. Really? If I if I have cereal, oh, right? Because you have no self control, right? Okay. Cereal has to be. I don't know if I've ever ranked these things, but. Cereal has to be very high on the you can't have if you don't have self-control list. It's probably number one. You buy a box. I, I walk by cereal now the way I walk, the way like I think an, a former smoker sees the prices of yeah. cigarettes these days. Where they're like, oh, oh whoa, I, I used to be go a, pa- a pack a day and... Now it's up to $6 or whatever cigarette. Well, that's I, what, what I was going to say. That like, you, that's a good thing that you've cut that out of your life. Because is it, it, cereal it, is cheap. I mean, uh, expensive. Right. Is cereal like three, four bucks a box yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What did it used to be? Because I just feel like, uh, like since I've considered buying cereal, it's always been kind of expensive. I feel like people had to, the reason people had to have bought cereal was because it was cheap. Like You got like three kids and you're like, like I'll buy a box 50. of this shit and I'll take care of them for like a, a, a couple of days. Then you got to buy milk and everything. I don't know. I've gotten into the uh, I've gotten into the oatmeal yeah. at work. I, I, I've been I've been trying to cut corners. Maybe for the first time in my life, I've been thinking like, what money do I spend, and what do I spend it on? And I eat out probably at least once a day. What? And yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. I and I have forever. Because that adds. Well, I guess. Up. I mean. I guess you you work in an office. Exactly, and yeah, I, yeah. I feel. I feel that. I feel that a lot of people who work in offices probably eat yeah, out maybe once a day, and but whether it's uh, so like I, I would get uh, whatever's near me. There's there are a couple cool places near me. We get food from there for dinner, and then you know, maybe two three times a week, maybe you get Dunkin' Donuts. You get a a coffee. I have recently been like yo. I am not doing that. I'm going to buy eggs at the beginning of every week. I'm going to have that for breakfast. I'm going to have some food that I don't binge on that I'll have. I've been doing uh I've been doing this uh it's called Premier Protein. It's probably for old people. I have no I I've never even googled sure. I've right, I've <laughs> never even googled what it's for, what people do with it and 
I'll have I'll have eggs for breakfast. At some point, I'll make a coffee and dump a bunch of that stuff into it, and it's kind of filling. And then I get to work and I eat some oatmeal at work. That sounds like the saddest it's thing in very, the world. Very sad. It like, actually. And then you have to renew your AARP subscription. Right. <laughs> but it's. I mean, it's saving me a lot of money. I would say, like, I've been doing this for like three weeks. My guess is I would. I've probably saved. I've saved at least two hundred dollars probably doing that. Right, damn, that's a game changer. A brunch gives uh, brunch gives financial tips. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, that, we are definitely in a place to do that, and it's also worth mentioning that you showed up today's recording uh, with Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, this was like a. I, I'm I'm, this is going to be. This is the only time this week I've gone to cheat day. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I'm Enes Cantor. Mm-hmm. Shouts out my uh, shouts out my Turkish brother. How about that? Oh, an Armenian yeah. and a Turk being on the. I, I'll tell you what, man. Enes Cantor. I know a lot of people see his stuff and they're like, man, this is a pretty loud dude. I mean, I'm probably... Anybody who follows any of our shit probably thinks the the same uh, of me. But I'll tell you what, I know I'd be friends with that guy. Yeah. He seems like the salt of the earth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is, which is He'd cool. He'd probably come on the podcast. Which is cool. Like, uh, imagine, imagine a world. Armenians and Turks <laughs> just, uh, just loving each other. I actually, I had an Uber driver one time... Uh, I was living near Watertown, which is a very it's it's that in Fresno, California might as well be Armenia. It's just <laughs> yeah, all yeah, Armenians yeah. over there. And a guy picked me up. He had an accent. He was like, "Oh, hey, uh, it's uh, th- th- this worked out. I was just over at um, I was just over at Eastern Lemajun, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, Eastern, hey, Inch Pesas.' And he was like. Oh, I'm not Armenian, but a lot of my friends are, and I just I love the food. And I was like, Oh, hell yeah! So uh, if you don't mind, what are you? And he was like, I'm Turkish. And I just instinctively responded, How's that work out? <laughs> and he was like, What do you mean? I was like, Having a bunch of be, like being Turkish, having a bunch of our Armenian friends, and uh, in my naivete, I didn't realize there are a lot of there are a lot of Turkish people. Who, similar to a lot of Americans who know, like, yo, my country's done some very bad things in the past, and I acknowledge them. And he was the salt of the earth, and I was like, man, I wish, like, some of my grandparents were alive <laughs> to be in here and just, like, hang out with you. And it was it was wonderful. It was a very uh, peaceful drive. There you go. He sucked at driving. No, zeros. No, just kidding. No, but it was a nice little thing. I called my parents, and like it, it sounded so stupid that in like 2018 right. or whatever it was to be like, "Hey, I met a person who, who our ancestors probably wouldn't like each other, but we really liked each other a lot." And it was uh, it was really cool. But yeah, cheat day, drinking my little uh, cold brew. What you sipping on? Uh, I'm I honestly have no idea because it's marked wrong. You said that it's uh, yeah, I got cookies it and cream. Yep. Uh, this is about like fourth on the depth chart of mm-hmm. the things that uh, I wanted. And I was you tried flying through orders. <laughs> they they apparently nothing. flying off the shelves with the Kit Kat and the Heath Bar and like every other thing on the menu. So we ended up with the uh, the the basically the scraps, which is cookies and cream, and it's honestly pretty good. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, do you experience stress or have anxiety or chronic pain? Or do you have trouble sleeping at, at least once a week? You're not alone. Many of us do, myself included. I can't sleep. I, I suck at sleeping. So uh, CBD is the, uh, the new craze to help you, help you deal with that kind of stuff. And feels 
is a premium CBD company that delivers that CBD directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Um, if you are lying awake with existential dread at, the, at night and you just, you're like, hey, the world sucks, but I can't sleep and I just want to sleep it off. Feels got you covered. It's, it seems like a case by case basis. I'm more of a, the, the world's great. How did we ruin it so much? <laughs> and am I one of the worst parts of it? <laughs> oh, all right. You uh, know, <laughs> re- be just stuff. being restless, tossing and turning. Uh, it feels as easy to take. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. Uh, I can I can vouch for it. It works. I like CBD. It actually helps me fall asleep. Does it really? Yes. Yeah. I have been I have been just taking my anxiety medicine at night because that kind of gives you that kind of wears you wears you down a little bit. Yeah, but I bet you have to go to the doctors to get the anxiety medicine. I do. What if you brought the doctor right to your door? What? <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so if you're new to CBD, feels... Now I'm having company when I'm trying to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to keep me... Now he's going to... I got to ask him if he wants anything. Put on a pot of coffee. ask you about your penis. Oh, man. Uh, if you're new Don't to... most C- of my guests. <laughs> if you're new to CBD, feels offers you uh, a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide you through your personal experience. It's a pretty small company and they uh, they actually, I've talked on the phone with the people that run the company and uh, one of them's from, from the area, local guy. Nice. So I, I had a nice little chat with them. They said that they're all personally available on that hotline. Half so, Armenian, half Turkish. Yes. Uh, just 100%, 100% love. Uh, so if you want to feel better, feel better naturally, Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, no hangover, no addiction. Join the Feels community to get Feels delivered right to your door every month. It's a subscription service, and you'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. Uh, Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash brunch, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A ls.com slash brunch to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash brunch. It brings me no joy to say this, but it is a bad week, bad times, dark times for gas station supplements. Oh, it really Gas station really supplements is. in On the, the news. In the news and I got to tell you, this could be the blow that finally does gas station supplements in. If you did not see the news this week, Jeff Passan of ESPN tweeting, the use of gas station sexual <laughs> enhancement pills in baseball is so prevalent that MLB sent out a memo warning players that their use could lead to positive PED tests, as at least two players have claimed this year. Sources tell ESPN. Man. I don't know how gas station supplements recovers. I've always said that baseball needs more boners. Baseball, well, baseball needs more action, more excitement. People are saying, how do you get baseball exciting again? Tight pants and boners. I think by jumping, by jumping on the, we're not, jumping on the let's put down gas station supplements gang, I think that's smart. They're going to end up on the right side of history. I feel bad for these guys taking these gas station supplements because they maybe don't have the the means. Maybe they're minor league players not getting paid anything, and they can't afford something like Hims. But Mm -hmm. I'll say big winner this week, Hims, big loser, 
gas station supplements. Snake oil. Snake, snake oil oil's too. next, man. I got if you're snake oil right now, you are shaking in your you're rattling in your boots. Because you know if they, they right. if they they've come for gas station supplements, like you are notice. so next. Yeah, you are you are so next. I don't know if I'm going to the wrong gas stations, but like I very rarely find myself in a gas station like walking past a section where there's just snake oil and boner pills. We had to talk about this yesterday at work and in the pre-show meeting. Somebody was saying, "What's a gas station supplement?" <laughs> and I was like, "I I've come to believe I think it means over-the-counter medication." But this is like a derogatory word for it. Gas station yeah. supplement. Right? Well, yeah, I guess. Because uh, is the stuff you're buying in a gas station not available at like CVS or Walgreens or something? But wouldn't you think that like big gas station, like big tobacco would, would put out like a like a cease and desist or like, hey, stop selling sullying our good name? Right. We've been providing We've been, giving you, we've been giving you gas. Like we like, are part of a, we have, are ingrained in American history. We yeah. are an institution in America. With, without us, you have no gas, name. and you're gonna and you're gonna use gas station like it's a like it's some right. awful th- ugh, gas station. I'll have you know, most nights when I'm not feeling great about myself on the way back from work, I stop at a gas station because it's the only place that's open where I can get checks mix at one in the morning. Right. Gas stations are very good. Gas like stations we keep going help on, supplement my feelings. <laughs> if we keep going on this track, we're gonna we're gonna start seeing like gas station subscription or gas subscription services. We're gonna start advertising these on the podcast because nobody's gonna want to go to gas stations. I'll tell you, I won't do it. I won't do it. You I'll take a stand. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna take a stand for gas stations. For years, it's where I've been getting my gas, and I don't want to. I don't want to put them out. I want to put these mom and pop gas companies out of business. Yeah, these, these small businesses. We stand with gas stations. We stand with and, big gas, and we <laughs> we stand with big oil. <laughs> All right, uh, we got two movies. The first one that we're going to talk about today is uh, Good Boys. Good Boys. Good Boys this is a comedy with children. Uh, it is the second super bad that has come out this year. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was um, what, Booksmart. Yeah. It was Booksmart this year? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. It is. I mean, I think I, so. I, yeah. It, I think you're correct. But I, I hate making the super bad connection because it's like, it's so obvious, and every movie that is going to be like like this is going to get compared to super bad high school movie with a group of kids instead this is a middle school movie with a group of kids right it's a sixth grade super bad but there are a lot of parallels like it takes place in the same day it's a bunch of kids like trying to go to a party uh and getting into the like all these adventures along the way it is very fucking funny i enjoyed this movie a whole lot Mm. it was it was it they executed it well, I it, it wasn't. I was afraid it was going to be sausage party, and it wasn't that. So I give it kudos for that. How funny was it? I don't think it was very funny. I thought it was a good movie, though. I thought that what, what my takeaway from it was it was very interesting to see how young people operate in this world where they've had the internet the whole life. They've had they've they've started to see. That we actually shine a light on bad guys, bad people in position of power. Like, like they, they, uh, they have to go to a kissing party, and their first question is about consent because yes. they're they're being taught, they're being beaten over the head since they're very young about the idea of consent. And I'm like, 
yo, like this is a we live in a bad world, but it's cool that like kids are actually being taught things. It was like the the Gillette yeah. razor ad that yeah. everyone was so pissed off about. I was like, oh good. Children are learning about consent and not being an asshole. Like when they're talking about kids who are cool, they're ranking them by how nice they are. Right. They're like, that kid's the coolest kid in the grade. He's nice to everybody. Yeah. And that was a big part of like what I liked about this movie and and my interest level going into it was like, how do you make a super bad in 2019 where like everybody's looking for a fucking problem? Right. And this was a very non-problematic take on like that super bad thing, but they did it in a way that was very funny, I thought. And And I would, I would show it to, I would show it to kids. Like if it's good message, if I had like a four, uh, I don't know, 14 year old might be too old or whatever. I don't know if I had like a like a middle school kid want to watch that movie, I would say go for okay. It. And if they said, "Hey, I'm confused as to what those couple things are," I'd say they're related to sex, but whatever, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah, and like it's they do it in a funny way. Um, like the consent thing was a bit throughout, like basically the entire movie. I don't think it was a bit though. Well, I mean, I think that it, they designed it to, to get laughs. It's shocking for adults to see because it's not what they're no, used to No, but they designed seeing. it to get laughs, especially in the sex dummy scene where he yeah. goes for the kiss and he's like, wait, you didn't ask for consent right. from the sex dummy. So I thought yeah. that was very funny. Um, they also like a good part of this movie is that like they it, they like kind of bash toxic mas- masculinity. Oh, definitely. With the uh, with one kid who loves singing and he's like basically peer pressured into quitting the uh, like the theater because mm-hmm. it's not cool or whatever. Uh but like they they yeah, deliver a nice little message that like hey just be yourself you still can you still can do this and like be a, be a guy. That's one plot hole though. It's instilled in all of them that you're a loser if you bully. And there's one kid who's a popular kid who is clearly a bully and he bullies throughout and nobody calls him out on it. And it's not necessarily because he's high ranking. He's like also a kind of hanger on and everyone just kind of lets him bully. And maybe that exists, so there can be uh, a scene where Jacob Tremblay, who is unbelievable in this, tells him off. That kid can do absolutely everything. Uh, I mean, I think one of the best parts of this movie is that Jacob Jacob Tremblay is in it. Just like, and especially looking at it, be like, that's the fucking kid from the room. I was (laughs) wondering, I was wondering why he would do this movie because I'm because I again I was kind of expecting Sausage Party, so I wasn't looking forward to seeing this movie and. It ended up. It was just a. It was just a cute, wholesome movie about something that usually isn't wholesome at all. Is usually very yeah. raunchy. This was not a raunchy movie. I mean, it was. It's. It's not particularly. There's a lot of like sex jokes. Yeah, there's but, a lot of. There's cr- a lot of swearing. There's a lot of like. There's. They push. They push for the this genre. If bit. we're gonna say it's in like the super bad book smart kind of realm. This I thought was right, but super clean. Way younger kids, right? But they're still having them say the f word every other word. That's what I'm saying. Like they are pushing the limit with like what you can get away with with kids this age. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I, when you say it was very funny, like I don't know that it was that funny. Like I, I, I think I laughed out loud maybe once or twice, and I forget what. What even the parts I were? There, I, there were some like funny parts. I but it, it was. I don't think it was a particularly funny movie. I definitely laughed uh, a lot more than than you did. Clearly, um, I, I mean, I, I thought it was very, very funny and very, very enjoyable. It way exceeded my expectations. What did, what, what were your expectations? Well, I, ex- I mean, I expected it to be like a dumb sort of comedy, and in a lot of ways, it, it was like it, it didn't reinvent the wheel. Uh, certainly not like it's basically a carbon copy of super bad and it, like a lot of inappropriate sex jokes and a lot of like 
a lot of humor that you've heard before, but I thought that the writing was good enough and the delivery was good enough and like the execution of the humor was good enough to make it feel like it wasn't a force. I think that for a movie that's about kids navigating one crazy day, it didn't have enough, oh shit, now this is happening moments. And the ones that existed, you saw coming a mile away. Uh, and a lot of the just a lot, a lot of the jokes had been made before in a million different movies. So yeah. I don't know. It, it was a new presentation of something I've seen ten million times in my life. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's completely fair. But I, uh, I I'll still say that like the way that they presented it was different enough and interesting enough for me to really enjoy the movie and get laughs out of me. I thought the funniest part of the movie was the uh, the parents of one of the kids, Lil Rel and Retta, <laughs> explaining to their kid that they're getting a divorce. That was the funniest part of the movie to me, where they're explaining that everything's going to be okay, and a child is who's not a dummy is processing, like, oh, this is absolutely not going to be the same. That was really funny. Like a lot, a lot of the the lines from the parents in that were good. Will Forte is always solid. Uh, uh, the adults were good. The stuff with the 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 drugs, mm-hmm. I kind of snoozed during. I didn't think that that was amazing. Well, the I shootout mean, was very was very funny. The shootout, yeah. Oh yes, yeah. They yeah. go to buy paintball drugs shootout, and end yes. up and end up uh, lighting them up with paintball. Guns. Like one of the best subtle jokes in the movie is the frat kid coming in into the room and yelling. Uh, she dropped the lawsuit and immediately getting yes. drilled with paintballs. Uh, very very funny. Also, I thought that uh, one of the best subtle jokes came at the end, where uh, um, they are talking about getting snacks mm-hmm. and like this whole this kid delivers like an unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable, like musical performance, and I thought it was great. And then the one of the other kids, like, so we we not getting oh we not, we not getting snacks, right? <laughs> they were supposed to make grilled cheese. Yes, yes. the, the so, two high girls were going to make them grilled cheese, and they're so like, "Wait, you should cheese? sing!" And he starts to sing, and he's like, "So it's a no on the the grilled cheese." <laughs> I thought that was very funny. That brought that scene gave me douche chills because oh, no, I think there needs to, there needs to be a rule. Maybe I've said this before. There needs to be a rule, and this exists with the 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS commercial, if you've ever heard it. A kid needs to sign, or a kid's a, a guardian or something needs to sign something saying, "We, you are allowed to auto-tune my child. It sounds so weird and gross to me when a kid, a kid's voice, a little kid, a little cute little kid singing, has like auto-tune on it. It just sounds, it just creeps me out to no end very very gross very oh. weird all right i think that's a you thing i, I think that some would agree i think that i think that honestly that's what grates on people with the 1-800 cars for kids commercial that everybody hates so much i, I think it's just the level of annoyingness on those commercials here in an auto-tune kid probably yeah. really um, annoying but uh, if we want to talk about plot holes in this movie it's like these kids are painted as being dumb at times but let me tell you the older girls, the, the duo of older girls uh, who g- lose their drugs to, to the kids uh, are just the dumbest people in the world because they have $600 at their disposal. Yeah. They use it on a drone. They buy a $600 drone basically as, uh, what do we call it, collateral mm-hmm. or like to, yeah. to, to trade the kids for the drugs. 
rather than just using that six hundred dollars to gone, find drugs literally anywhere else. Could, or could have just gone back in and got more drugs. Was there some reason they couldn't go into the frat house themselves? Well, because she broke up with the the boyfriend who oh, sold the drugs. Oh, okay. But like you could literally go to anywhere else in the world that sells drugs. There, are, I'm sure. They know somebody else that, that could get them drugs. Or ask somebody who isn't a, an 11-year-old kid to go buy the drugs. <laughs> right. Just ask one of your friends. Ask anybody from your high school. Say, hey, I don't know how much the drugs would cost. Say it's like 200 bucks or something. I don't know. Say it's 100 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Say, we'll give you $50 if you go and buy yeah. these drugs. I don't know how many... Every high school in the world would <laughs> yeah, say yes to that. Yeah. I don't know how... Uh, how much two pills or two things of Molly would cost, yeah. but I guarantee you it's less than $600 or yeah. else nobody would be doing Molly. Right. There would, un- unless they have, unless they're selling like higher levels of drugs and have drug money, but then they would probably also have those drugs and that Molly. Yeah. Th- th- I would say that the movie was, I'll, I'll watch it when it's on and it was, uh, it was good. It was, a, it was a cute presentation of, uh, of something that that we've all seen a million times before. I thought that all the the kids in it were good. The kid that plays the most popular kid, probably the best casting job in the history of anything, because that kid looked and acted so cool. Yeah, I want to be friends with that kid. That kid was cool as hell. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and he's it, got VR. Not like, what not, a what a good kid to f- be friends with. Hell yeah. Not the best movie though. Not not bad. I mean, not I'm not saying it's fucking like movie good. of the year here, but I thought that it was a very uh, surprisingly good comedy. Solid. I think that. Uh, I think that. Let me think. There, well, both of these movies this year, Booksmart and that, I think were are way overrated. Well, I wouldn't say that Good Boys overrated. I, I mean, well, I also haven't seen much of anything anybody talking about Good Boys, but. Uh, let me see. Booksmart was like, you gotta go see this. Please. Like, I also think that it, like a lot of that was because, like, hey, it's direct, directed by Olivia Wilde, and it has like right two- directorial debut. Okay, you know what? Booksmart, seventy-seven uh, percent. Uh, okay, wait. Oh, I looked up the wrong movie. But Booksmart is a seventy-seven percent audience score. Completely agree with that. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, I would probably put it a little higher than. Yeah, that. maybe like low eighties. Yeah. Uh, let me see what Good Boys is. Good Boys. By the way, I look at audience score more than I look at the tomato meter. Okay, I don't. I don't care about those. I guys. look at both. And I weigh them equally. Uh, Good Boys is eighty-eight percent audience score. I would, I'd say, t- eighty to eighty-five is yeah, okay. I would, yeah, I would say like a tad lower than that. Right. Okay, eighty to eighty-five. Not bad. Uh, that usually comes seeing, down though. So like, it's we're like two weeks removed, or like a, a week and a half removed from its release. It'll probably come down a little bit. Uh, critics weren't crazy about it. Seventy-eight uh, percent Rotten Tomatoes. But I again, think that's kind of fair. I don't care about the. Cri- so so you came into this saying like you really liked it and it was awesome. But I don't expect like, critics critics to oh, like okay. it. Oh okay. So so you're you're not surprised that they didn't think right? That much yeah of yeah. It. Yeah, because it wasn't that good. You agree. Um, <laughs> we also saw uh, Blinded by the Light, which I'll tell you, I did not know what that... I thought I knew what that movie was about. Did not know what it was about. I knew absolutely nothing about this movie other than that you told me to go see it. I knew that... that, that and as, you told as me as it we're, existed. We're making all these Elton John and Queen movies. There was a Bruce Springsteen movie coming out. I knew it wasn't about Bruce Springsteen. I knew it was about a Bruce Springsteen fan. I thought it was about a kid from London or something that really wanted to go to a Bruce Springsteen concert. And I guess that little aspect is true, but 
really, it's about a kid in the late 80s, late 80s, sure. 80s, in a suburb of London, and he's Pakistani, and people are racist as hell to his family, and it's a depressing town. The movie's depressing as hell. They intentionally like didn't show the sun ever. It was a very depressing movie to watch, and he finds through a classmate, he finds out about Bruce Springsteen, and he really identifies with his lyrics, and he becomes a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And swear to God, that's all the movie is. Yeah. It it's really about a kid is. who gets into Bruce Springsteen yeah. in the 80s. I, I had to tell you, absolutely not for me. Yeah, that wasn't a very good movie. No. But apparently critics uh, disagree. Really? Yeah, dude. It's getting like great reviews. Really? Yeah. Let me look at uh, Blinded by the Light. 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. So this is where, this is a case, I think, where people look at the subject matter and they say this is an important thing. It's, uh, it's important to show that this is what existed for this poor kid in the 80s. And it is brutal. Like I said, you want to talk about depressing, like this kid and his family can't catch a break. Like they are trapped. They are... They really are like insert any Bruce Springsteen lyric and apply it to someone who's in a way worse situation. So that is portrayed. And I think that because people see, man, that sucks. That's awful. That that's so horrible. Like we're glad we get to hear this kid's story. They say, okay, 91 versus like, all right, yeah, but how good was the movie, right. though? I mean, the movie to me was a fucking mess because it could not decide whether totally. it wanted to be, like, a silly jukebox musical, basically. Completely. Or, like, this very serious movie about, like, a, a real-life story of, of somebody who, like, went through shit and had, like, real real-life problems going on in his world. It was, like, racism, like, extreme family issues. Yeah. Uh, and like it just kept alternating back and forth between these two things, and it was just very weird and jarring, and almost impossible to get like a grip on what this movie was trying to be. Yeah, I wondered if part of it was like they intentionally did that to show like no, they don't just break into song and everything gets better in the end, and everything doesn't get better in in the end really. Although this is the guy on whom this is based went on to become a writer, which is what he wanted to be. And he's a successful writer and he's seen Bruce Springsteen 4 million times. So if I were to guess, I would say that he writes about baseball. Uh, <laughs> right. He does. That, that's what I was going to say. Like the most unrealistic thing about this fucking stupid ass movie is, is that, that he doesn't write about sports. Right. Is that he, he writes about like actual <laughs> shit that's important. Um, but I, but I, I think that maybe they intentionally were like, Oh no, it doesn't get good and fun because this guy's life was really hard. But I just feel like they could have struck the balance. And especially like when you're dr- dramatizing stuff in movies anyway, like just take a little more liberties. May, like either lean into the really hard shit or show more of the fun shit. I think that like if it had they have had done it in a way that like made that kind of obvious that that's what they were trying to do and paint that picture that it would have been way cooler. Like say, say like the, the serious parts of the movie had been shot like in sort of like a, uh, like a gritty sort of Mm -hmm. drab thing. And then as soon as they break into music, it becomes like, this is his escape. Yes, Yes, exactly. That's like, I think that would be kind of cool. And I'd have a better grasp of the movie. I don't think they did that. Uh, intentionally, intentionally I agree. or like if they did, they didn't do it well enough to separate it. I think they just didn't make a very good movie. Yeah, and I, I that agree. and that that happens. Uh, 
the subject, I mean, the, as I said, the, the subject is very interesting. And uh, they, they play Bruce Springsteen at points in the movie. There's, really, there's only really one fun, great scene. And it's when he, his buddy, and his crush are just running around singing Born to Run. And even that bummed me out because it reminded me the douchebag Bruce Springsteen fans act like Born to Run is a bad song. Isn't like the best <laughs> yeah. thing in the world. Born, if you are going to talk my ear off about Bruce Springsteen, which many of you are wont to do, and you're going to roll your eyes when I counter, hey, and Born to Run, that's a good song too. Be like, oh, that no, song that's... and uh, uh, Dancing in the Dark. Yeah, those are, that, that's a really good song. Dance in the Dark's like, a really good song, but I would say like Born to Run is an elite song. The best thing that this movie did for me was I left the theater like singing dancing, uh, singing Born to Run in my head. Yeah, Born, Born you've got to be such a. It, it goes against everything you stand for. If you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, you're like, oh yeah, he's like they're singing about like getting out of dark times and like really standing up for the average man and blah blah. And Clarence Clemens is the best saxophone player ever. Blah. That song has everything you want. <laughs> right. That song that song rules. And when I hear Born to Run, I get bummed that I think there are idiots out there who want to tell me that they've seen Bruce Springsteen 900 times and how I'm wrong for thinking this awesome song, which I know more about music than these idiot Bruce Springsteen fans, I know is a better song than a lot of the shit that they're going to be like, oh, no, 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 this is this is way better. So I do wish there were more scenes like that where they're just like where Bruce Springsteen songs take over the whole thing I will say this on this movie uh, you guys know that I am firmly against nothing makes my nothing gives me douche chills than when people say hey does this get you laid because I feel that people people mate and people have sex based on their connection with each other and to to boil that down to arbitrary levels of cool is just really weird and really stupid and probably will prevent you from people from wanting to have sex with you. Uh, so I, I always, my skin crawls when I hear someone say, like, oh, I bet that guy doesn't get laid based off of whatever, blah, blah, blah. Being the guy who's just walking around talking to everybody about Bruce Springsteen not going to get you laid. No, and in not. this movie, he gets a girl out of it. And I'm like, ah, now I have to break my own rule. <laughs> I have to break my own rule. I've been that kid that's changed every story to something about Billy Joel. And I'll tell you what. Didn't work, man. I can't think of the times that it led to, like, you know what we ought to do is have sex now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my first and like most prominent note of this movie is just that, listen, I get what it, the movie is about. This guy likes Bruce Springsteen way too much. <laughs> he just he cool. really does. This was like the, like the beginning signs of like, oh god, he's gonna see Bruce Springsteen a lot and tell you how many times he's seen Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yep. uh, that is exactly what it is, and it's just like, listen, man, I get that you really like Bruce Springsteen, and I and I, I think that you should like what you like, and I'm glad that he brings you happiness, but please, please. Just fucking tone it down a little bit. I right. don't want to hear about Bruce Springsteen in every conversation that I have with you. And this guy is just hammering it endlessly. Yeah, and I I know that not everyone wants to hear about the thing that, that you're into. And if you right. have mentioned itis with something, um, 
But I mean, sometimes we all do that. Like we we've spent episodes at a time just being like, "Oh, look, uh, the uh, global warming is such that we have an hour left." But in this hour, gotta bring up this other Midsommar point that came up to me the other day, and like that's just what's on our our brains. And uh, I turn, I bring a lot of things to Heim and Father John Misty, and as I said, as as a younger man, everything was Billy Joel and the Beatles and whatever. But this guy has no interest in anything else. Right, of I was Bruce gonna say like. I, I I at least find myself in conversations about other shit <laughs> that I hijack and turn to Father John Misty. This kid is going door to door being like, have you heard the boss? And again, <laughs> this is set in the late 80s. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> of course, we've heard we've heard Bruce Springsteen forever. Like, like He's on a world tour right now. You just found out about Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> like, yo, like, like we think Bruce Springsteen is old and bad now. <laughs> he's tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like, at least have a B option, man, and and you can make a movie about Bruce Springsteen without forcing Bruce Springsteen into every fucking scene. That so that's where I wish they leaned into that more, or they they either had to do uh, make it completely depressing and make it like. This kid had these little escapes bit by bit, and then life got depressing again, life got depressing again. And then one thing snapped with him, and he said, you know what? Bruce Springsteen's setting me free, and he flies away, and his mean old dad, like, I don't know, something happens. I, I don't think, I'm not suggesting his dad dies or anything, but, like, his dad changes his ways. And they do that subtly, probably what, probably to be more realistic to how his l- life actually happened. But there was just no big like everybody breaks into song or he meets bruce and he ends up meeting bruce in real life but they just never showed that in the movie and like the the big part of this movie is he goes to new jersey for a thing because he wins a writing competition and even that was just like kind of like some pictures yeah that was like a it was like a quick little montage yes it was you're right and that like that wasn't the the big thing the big thing was like this uh this scene at at his school or something like they didn't even really explain what the what the big scene was he's the reading, context he of was it chosen as a winner or something because he wrote about why he likes bruce springsteen and i thought that that scene was good that yes. was like the one one scene in this movie that was like okay this isn't complete crap it right. was uh i thought the 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 main character w- did a really good acting job there mm-hmm. and i thought i thought that pretty much pretty much everything else in the movie that that's, this guy sucked Mm. I thought his performance was crap, other than this final scene. He was good in it. Um, yeah, the the final scene, the speech that he gave was great. Um, had a really good message, and he, it was performed really well. And it was like this emotional scene, very cool. Other than that, not like not it really did nothing for me. There was no like big, like you said. I mean, the biggest thing that that happened was like three people running through the city. And doing like a goofy dance. Yeah, and I they could have did used, the time jump, and I was like, "Ugh." I'll tell you what, and this is gonna sound ignorant because you're gonna be like, "Oh, sorry, this like real story was too depressing for you." I really could have used if they just like mama me at this, <laughs> yeah. and really like showed Lean how into depressing it one the way light. or another. Exactly, exactly. Make it like a real ass dark movie, or make it a jukebox musical. They didn't either, so I didn't like it. So now, as we do our check-ins on all these musical movies that. Are coming out. Bohemian Rhapsody, worst movie I've ever seen. Rocket Man, good. Uh, and this one, not very good. No, not uh, not not very good to bad. My final note on this one is that the uh, his friend, his like neighborhood friend, 
That kid is uh, a big baby. That kid oh, the sucks. kid that looks like Eddie from Friends. <laughs> yes, he's uh, he's the uh, he's Tommen from Game of Thrones. Oh wait, which one are we talking about? We're talking about oh his childhood friend. Yeah, his childhood friend. Oh, okay. I was gonna say his friend that he meets in school. The other Bruce Springsteen fan. Oh no, that, that kid, kid rules. looks like Eddie from Friends. That kid rules. Yeah, probably Big the best part of, of the movie. Big fan of that guy. Uh, no, his his neighborhood friend who is Tommen from Game of Thrones. He's in a band and he spends like the first half of the movie being like, ha ha. I have a girlfriend. I'm having sex. Yeah. You're a loser. That kid let, me, definitely... let me hook you up with a pity girl that might have sex with you. And then as soon as that kid, as soon as uh, the main character like starts getting into Bruce Springsteen, is like, I'm having fun with my life, uh, the other piss baby friend is just like, oh, bah, 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 right, cause he, cause he... my dad likes Bruce Springsteen too. Right, because he and his dad, uh, or this kid's dad and uh, the main character bond over Bruce Springsteen, and they're like, you don't know any of the boss lyrics, which yeah. that's the most true thing of this story, I would say, is two people who know Bruce Springsteen being like, huh, this other guy doesn't know Bruce Springsteen like we know Bruce Springsteen. And he became, you're right, that kid was, uh, that kid was a absolute, big baby. He made a big deal out of it. Like they didn't speak for months. Also, I bet this was on the cutting room floor, but there had to have been a scene where that kid asks the main character, does Bruce Springsteen, listening to Bruce Springsteen get you laid? Because that is totally what that character was. So, <laughs> Uh, not not an amazing movie. Uh, we do have one movie coming up in uh, Ready or Not this week. I'm excited to see that. We've had that circled since we found out about it. About I don't know. Midsummer previews is when we started seeing that. Oh yeah, that's the uh, the girl gets married, and the last thing after she gets married before she's finally in the family is to not get murdered by the family. A nice little game of murder hide and seek. That is the ec- level of acceptable human hunting movie that we can have in 2019. If you hunt uh, people at a higher level, Trump says, no, no, the movie becomes a crybaby, or the, the, the company becomes a crybaby and does not release it. Which I would say, checking in on that movie, it hasn't come out yet. My guess was within 10 days of it being canceled, Wrong. it would have come out. And uh, I, I think it's been 10 days and it hasn't come out. Uh, I do have a personal thing to announce, decided this recently. Uh, I'm going to be a loofah guy. You know loofahs? Yeah, those the uh, little scrunchy things on a stick? Yeah, not necessarily on a stick. You can get them on a stick. You can get them, just uh, put them in your hand. Oh, the soap in there. uh, With the little string. They got a little string on them so you can hang them on the shower head. Yeah, I've been one of those guys for a long time. You use a loofah? Yeah. I don't believe that. I sure do. What kind of loofah do you use? I don't know what it is, but it's... What uh, brand are you working with? What model? I honestly have no idea. You don't even know... Come on. Every loofah guy knows the model that they use. I don't know the model because my mom... uh, My mom has been the loofah person in the household. So that's how you become a loofah person. That's how I became a loofah person. If you're around girls, a loofah is there at some point. Well, I mean, isn't that how every guy finds out that something is good is that they're just introduced to it by by a girl? Right. They're like, wait, there's different types of towels. There are <laughs> yes. kinds that if you spend a little more money on the towel, it's, like, it's a wait, good towel. You mean that I can I can like put fabric on my mattress that doesn't make it gross when I sleep on it? Yeah. Bed sheets? What? Yeah, so I'm back in the loofah game. Watch out everyone. You can call me Nancy 
Dude, what yeah. the fuck? That's so stupid. Oh. That's gonna be great.